When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come on. Where are we going now? On the air! Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zabe, the host of the show, and I am very excited to announce that we have a brand new third format of the show to add to the podcast. Why a new format, you might ask? Well, several of you have contacted the show and given us feedback that makes the judges feel like we have some issues to address about the show. Comments have ranged from not getting announcements about contests and prize vault winners to the home game being as long as regular episodes and not a true mini episode. Others have asked about being on the podcast but not wanting to necessarily be a contestant but still contribute content to the show. However, the biggest issue we have encountered is not getting the answers to the power struggle question after guests have failed to solve it on the show. I told the judges about these issues, but they want to keep the time of the show about the same length and how exactly to do all that and keep the show moving is a challenge. At the mention of something being a challenge, it brought to the memory of the old video game challenging stages, where they would have a small mini-game at different stages of the main game. Games like Mario Brothers, Joust, and of course Galaga had these kinds of breaks in the game to give its players a quick change of pace in the game and keep things interesting. So that's what this is! We're going to have a short version of the podcast that we can release in between regular episodes of the show and the home games, where it's just the listeners versus the podcast to see how many points you can get. No prizes or ranks, just a quick mini game to satisfy the nostalgic itch for the pop culture of Generation X. We will also use this time to solve power struggles from previous episodes, as well as giving you a chance to help save Generation X from being forgotten in a special guest host segment of the show. More on that in a moment. It is our hope that this will satisfy some of the feedback we've received on how we can improve the podcast. Sadly, none of the feedback came from our two British listeners, but thank you to all that took our survey to help the show. We hope you like our solution that we call Who Will Save Generation X? Challenging Stage. Here's how the game works. We will have three fast-paced rounds of games to play and score points. In round three, we'll have a special guest host take over the show to quiz me for five questions. If you can get more than I can correct, then you are invited to use our website voicemail system, email, or social media to mock me endlessly. Hey, is that right, judges? Who wrote this script? That is correct. Do with your points as you will, but we'll see if you're able to outscore me on the show. I have foreseen it. So let's get going and save the pop culture of Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. Round one today is our newest game, and it's called The Audience is Listening. In this game, I'll play a piece of music, and you will need to tell me what specific movie it is featured in. After I play the track... Uh, hold on a second. <sighs> okay, judges, you, you guys about done? Can I... you mind if I continue? You guys are you're not, you're not done? Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. As I was saying, I'll play a piece of music, and you need to tell me what specific movie it is from. After I play the track, you can choose to ask for a clue to help you, but for each clue you ask for, the question will be worth fewer points. For example, if you get it after one clue, it's worth three points. 
two clues, two points. And if you need all three clues, then it will be worth one point. However, if you can get the correct movie title with no clues at all, you'll be awarded a whopping four points for the question. Oh, yeah! Listen up. Here's your first piece of music. Tell me what movie this song is from. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best and always look on the bright side of life clue number one for three points the movie is a comedy released in 1979 and it was rated r in the u.s but rated x in parts of the united kingdom clue number two for two points. Cast members include Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam, and Graham Chapman. Clue number three for one point. Other cast members include the rest of the Pythons, Michael Palin, John Cleese, and Eric Idle, who is singing this song in the movie. The song is titled Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and his character sings this while he's being crucified. And here is the correct answer. Monty Python's Life of Brian. Next, crucifixion is good. Out of the door, line on the left, one cross each. Next, crucifixion. Uh, no, freedom. Huh? What? Uh, freedom for me. They said I hadn't done anything so I could go free and live on an island somewhere. Oh. Oh, well, that's jolly good. Well, off you go then. Now, nah, man, you put in your leg. It's crucifixion, really. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. Well, out of the door. Yeah, out of the way, out the door, one line cross each, line on the left. Line on the left. <laughs> Yes. Here's a fun fact. The film's themes and religious satire were controversial, drawing accusations of blasphemy and protests from several religious groups. 39 local authorities in the United Kingdom either imposed an outright ban or imposed an X rating on the film. Some countries, including Ireland, Italy, and Norway, banned its showing altogether. The filmmakers used this notoriety to promote the film with posters in Sweden reading, So funny, it was banned in Norway. Here's your second piece of music. I think this one's kind of tough, but listen to the lyrics closely and you'll get a free bit of a hint with some of the insights to the plot of the movie. Here we go. Tell me what movie this song is from. number one for three points this movie came out in 1986 it was rated pg-13 and it is an action slash war movie clue number two for two points supporting cast members include tim thomerson who you might remember as the salt and pepper colored haired helicopter pilot in the movie uncommon valor and it also features larry b scott who you might know better as lamar from revenge of the nerds Clue number three for one point. Starring roles include Jason Gedrick as Doug Masters and Louis Gossett Jr. as the original Chappie. 
And here is the correct answer. The song is called One Vision by Queen, and the movie is called Iron Eagle. Mayday! Mayday! Chappie, where are you? Just put in that tape. There's an order. Nothing you can do about me. Chappie, I want to help you. Where are you? Climb high like I told you. Doug, I ain't going to make it. Here's a fun fact. In the movie, Doug is a young pilot who plans a rescue mission when his father, an Air Force colonel, is shot down over enemy territory and is captured. If you remember, though, Doug has a hard time flying his fighter jet unless he's listening to some hard rock music. And the soundtrack reflects this with a song heard here by Queen, but also features bands like King Cobra, Dio and Katrina and the Waves. And here's your last piece of music for the round. Tell me what movie this song is from. Touch me now. I close my eyes and dream away. It must have been love, but it's over now. It must have been good, but I lost it somehow. It must have been. Clue number one for three points. The movie is from 1990. It was rated R and IMDb calls it a romantic comedy. Clue number two for two points. Supporting cast members include Jason Alexander, Laura San Giacomo and Hank Azaria. Clue number three for one point. Starring roles feature Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. And here is the correct answer. The song is It Must Have Been Love by Roxette, and it was featured in the movie Pretty Woman. Hey, I hope you. No, thank you. Hi. Hello. Do you remember me? No, I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me? Oh. You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go shopping now. The fun fact here is that the judges needs to pay up for our bet that I couldn't be mature enough to talk about this movie that featured Richard Gere and not make some dumb wisecrack about a gerbil urban myth. You just did. Round two. Round two of this episode is our spotlight trivia round. We will dive into one Gen X topic to quiz you on. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. If you think you could convince the judges into giving you a partial credit for your answer, you can award yourself one pity point for your partial correct response. I'll ask the questions and then circle back with the answers at the end of the round. Good luck. The spotlight topic for this episode is the 1984 movie, The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid follows 17-year-old Daniel LaRusso and his unlikely friendship with his building's handyman, Mr. Miyagi. The two bond when Daniel asked Mr. Miyagi to teach him karate. The movie was the biggest sleeper hit of 1984 and went on to earn Pat Morita an Oscar nomination. Question number one. The theme of high school bullies picking on the newcomer to a school was not invented by the Karate Kid, but it could be the most well-known in the generation. What were the names of the five boys who bullied Daniel throughout the movie? You'll get the full two points if you can name at least three of the five. Question number two. In the famous wax on, wax off scene, Mr. Miyagi has Daniel wax a classic car as part of his training, something Daniel is initially dubious about. After Daniel finishes waxing off, Mr. Miyagi gifts Daniel the car for his 18th birthday. 
The question is, what color is the car he waxes that ends up being his 18th birthday present? Question number three. You might get your Gen X credentials revoked if you never went on a date to a miniature golf or arcade at some point in your life. Daniel and Allie with an eye earned that cred in the movie when they go on their big date. What is the name of the place that has stuff like golf for the kids to play while on their date? Question number four. The film starred Ralph Macchio as a 17-year-old Daniel LaRusso, but in real life, Ralph was not a teenager at all. How old was Ralph Macchio when filming The Karate Kid? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, 20, B, 22, C, 28, or is it D, 69? 69, dudes! And finally, question number five. When Mr. Miyagi goes to help settle the matter between the boys at the Cobra Kai Karate Studio, Mr. Kreese is seen drilling the students in the Cobra Kai mantra. According to the Cobra Kai, what three things do not exist in their dojo? Is it A, pain, fear, and defeat? No, senses! B, mercy, surrender, and doubt? No, senses! C, cowards, pity, and weakness? No, or is it D, free Wi-Fi, soliciting, and public restrooms? No, Now that you had a little time to think about the questions, here are the answers. Question one was, what were the names of the five boys who bullied Daniel throughout the movie? Everyone remembers Johnny. Johnny, you're a creep, huh? Most might remember Bobby and Tommy, and you'll get the two points if you did. Get him a body bag! But the real flex goes to the ones that also remember Dutch and Jimmy. Jimmy, of course, was played by Larry B. Scott, a.k.a. Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds. We got Booga Presley on a mean guitar and a rap by little old me, Lamar. Lamar is making the rounds in this episode. Question two was, what color is the car that Daniel waxes that ends up being his 18th birthday present? The answer is, it was a yellow 1947 Ford Super Deluxe Convertible. Apparently, a regular deluxe convertible wasn't quite good enough for Daniel-san. The same car was actually given to Ralph Macchio as a gift from one of the producers of Karate Kid 3, and he still owns it today. Kind of cool. Question three was, what was the name of the place that has stuff like golf for the kids to play on while on their date? The answer is, golfing stuff. I grew up in Southern California, and to this day, I regret never going to the real golf and stuff, even though it was located in Norwalk, California. If you know, you know. Question four was, how old was Ralph Macchio when filming The Karate Kid? The answer is B, 22 years old. At the time of this recording, he is now 61, and we look forward to asking this exact same question again in eight years. Stay tuned, listeners. And finally, question five was, according to the Cobra Kai, what were the three things that do not exist in their dojo? The answer is A, pain, fear, and defeat. Although I am positive that Kreese would not open his bathroom to the public. Public restrooms do not exist in this dojo. You must go to the Circle K on the corner. Is that understood? Yes, Sensei! Round three. I'm the guy who normally asks the questions, but in this segment, we're going to turn things around and have one of our listeners ask the questions to see if I can do my part to save Generation X. Our special guest host this episode is none other than a fan favorite of the podcast who has become a good friend of mine. It is a pleasure for me to return the hosting duties for the next five questions to fan favorite Robert. Mr. Robert, you have the con. 
Ooh, the captain's chair feels good. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Each correct answer of this segment will be worth two points to add to your final score. All right, sir. The captain's chair feels wonderful. A little moist, but, you know, what? I don't know what you've been doing here. So five questions. I tried to avoid some of your favorite subjects like opera and New Testament and, of course, the fan favorite ballet. But we've stuck with some kind of obscure categories like television and movies and video games and music. So I hope that's okay. I would crush the opera and New Testament categories, but let's go for it. Especially if it was an opera about the New Testament. Holy that's exactly cow. what I was thinking. All right. Well, let's see what you've got with these five questions I prepared for you. I, I think you're going to do all right. I really do. But, I'm nervous. All right. Well, let's fire the futon torpedoes and see what happens here. Futon torpedoes, fire. I said. Question number one for you. The film Star Wars had one of the biggest impacts on pop culture ever, with fans still collecting merchandise and trivia even after 45 years. One of the great tense scenes in the film has our heroes knee-deep in Imperial waste in a Death Star trash compactor. Get in there, you big furry oaf! I don't care what you smell! Thanks to their faithful droids, they managed to escape the situation unscathed, although a bit smellier. What is the code number of the garbage masher that Luke gives to C-3PO to open the doors and let them out? This is multiple choice. Okay, great. Is the answer A, 3263287, B, 3263827, C, 3623827, D, 8675309, or E, 69 69 dudes um you know that's a whole lot of numbers let me read these so you're telling me you're not even considering e oh i consider e a lot it just never happens but (laughs) i believe the correct answer is b and the line is three two six three eight two seven that's your final answer i think so b is correct where are we you probably know this already, but for a quick fun fact, that was Mark Hamill's phone number at the time, oh. and he threw it in there just to immortalize it. Thank <laughs> God we did not have the internet in 1977. Mark Hamill's phone would have rung off the hook night and day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's great fun fact. Thanks, Robert. All right. One for you. You're off to a great start. I think you'll enjoy this one. Question number two for you. The video game Pac-Man hit American arcades in 1980 and quarters were quickly shoved into coin slots all over the nation. Levels were noted by a series of fruits and other items, which could also be consumed by Pac-Man in the maze for some sweet bonus points. Which of the following fruits had the highest point value in the original Pac-Man game? Keys. What? Huh? What did you say? Keys, not a fruit. My bad. Yeah, it's also not a choice. You might want to wait for the multiple choice that comes along with it. Jump. Are you ready? All right. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this one, but go ahead. Give it a shot. Okay. Is it A, apple, B, strawberry, C, orange, D, melon, or E, snozberry? Snozberries? Who ever heard of a snozberry? Uh, I was never very good at Pac-Man. That was my brother's game, but I I don't remember a melon being in the game i could be wrong but i do remember orange and that's going to be my final answer all right and c orange is incorrect i'm afraid yes the answer was d 
melon. Ah, there were melons. Maybe the reason you don't remember a melon in the game is because you weren't good enough to get that far. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Hey, the only reason I knew half these was because I looked them up. I stunk. <laughs> I never saw any melons growing up when I was a kid. Nice melons. So. There were some interesting items after they ran out of fruit, though. There was the Galaxian starship and a bell before you got to the keys as oh, well. Oh, yeah. So. I forgot about the bell. I remember the Galaxian, but I, don't, I didn't remember the bell. Well done. Thank God for watching better players. <laughs> All right. Let's see what we got here. We're moving right into your territory, a show you probably never watched. So great. Question three. The sitcom Soap premiered on ABC in 1977 and quickly found success with both critics and viewers alike. The show delighted in creating absurd scenarios, mocking their daytime counterparts with an ensemble cast for the ages. In fact, many daytime soap operas would go on to use the very same plots years later in their broadcasts. Out of all the crazy things that happened on Soap, which of these was not a plot used on the show? It's multiple choice. Calm down. Is it A, Burt Campbell is abducted by aliens? B, Corinne Tate's baby is possessed by the devil? C, Jody Dallas is kidnapped by a religious cult named the Sunnies? Or D, Jessica Tate falls in love with a Malaguayan rebel named El Puerto? Is Not D El Guapo, El Puerto. Is uh, E all of the above? Because it sounds like that could have been any one of these is plausible for that show. <laughs> it, it almost could have been, but no, no, one of them actually was not used. My parents forbade me from watching that show growing up. Um, now you know why. <laughs> I mean, the funniest answer on there to me is the, the religious cult, the Sunnies, as a take on the Moonies. I don't have no idea, so I'll go, I'll, I'll vote for funny and go for that one. So you're saying, see, Jody Dallas is kidnapped by a religious cult named the Sunnies. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll stick with what I got. I have no idea. I'm going with the cult. Ready for this? Yep. C is correct. Woohoo! Although, the only reason it's correct is because it was Billy Tate who was kidnapped by the Sunnies, <laughs> not Billy Crystal's Jody Dallas character. Otherwise, every single one of those plots actually happened during the four-season run of soap. I always watched the opening of that, and then, like, my mom would hear it and, like, come rushing in from the other room and, like, churn the knob. That show's hilarious. It's time to catch up as a grown-up. That's the beauty of being an adult. Now you can do whatever you want. Yeah, but that means I got to grow up, so that ain't happening either. So let's it's go okay. on. To <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's okay to grow up. Just don't grow old. Two out of three, though. You're rolling. Uh-oh. We're to the essay portion. Great. Now, you know what? I think you're going to do all right. Let's see what you got here. Question four. In 1987, Arnold Schwarzenegger returned to the big screen with The Running Man, a loose adaptation of a Stephen King story. The movie featured a game show in which the convicted prisoners must make a run for freedom through a dark labyrinth. All the while, though, those prisoners are being pursued by the Stalkers, a group of colorful armed characters whose sole purpose is to kill the runners. Five Stalkers total appear during the course of the film. Can you name at least three of them? Three of the five. And serious Gen X credit if you can name all five, of course. I, I, I can't name all five. I mean, it's been 20-something years since I've seen this movie. Um, but I have seen it. I was hoping for a Richard Dawson question. Not without a kiss. Yeah, well, pucker up, baby. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I mean, there's Dynamo, the big fat guy with the uh, who wore the tidy whities when he tried to assault. Uh, uh, what's her name? Maria Conchito Alonso. 
Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I know. I can see it on your lips. She's the uh, heiress to a big banana fortune, I believe. Yes. Yeah. There was one that was like a um, like some sort of ripoff of Captain America. That was um, Jesse the Body Ventura. He came out of retirement. Uh, there's Sub-Zero, who was also renamed Plane Zero. That's three. No, that's, that's two. That's three. Still- you have That's not three given names. me. You have not given me the name of Jesse Ventura's Sub character. Zero is now Plane Zero. I give it's you three. Same names. guy. It's the same guy. Judges, shut up, Wesley. I'm making an argument. I'm arguing. I have the con. Oh, damn it. Starfleet says you're wrong. You have Dynamo. You do have Sub Zero. I need one more. Come on. So, uh, uh. Then there's the dude with like the, the chainsaw. Um, the only thing I can name him would be uh Buzzsaw. So you're saying Dynamo, Sub-Zero, and Buzzsaw. You think correctly. Those are three of the stalkers. Nice. What happened to Buzzsaw? Uh, he had to split. You were all around it. Jesse the Body Ventura came out of retirement as Captain Freedom. Captain to Freedom. defend against these dirty, dirty prisoners. Captain and The other Freedom. one you missed was Fireball, played by Fireball. great running back Jim Brown. Fireball, of course. Yeah, because the fire, ice, electricity, and the other natural element of... A chainsaw, right? Uh, oh man, you're three or four. Look at you, nice Look at you, good man. All right, we got one more. We've saved the music question for last, so Uh-oh. I think you're gonna feel good about this one. Question five. The Smiths released their self-titled debut album in 1984, and it perfectly captured the ennui of a generation in the midst of a sea change. They quickly established a strong cult following in the United States and became a favorite of many people, including, I believe, yourself. And that is why this question is about Billy Joel instead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I picked the the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) During the course of his long career, Billy Joel has only managed to top the U.S. charts three times. He did it in 1980 with It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. And again in 1989 with We Didn't Start the Fire. What is Billy Joel's third number one hit on the American charts? This is multiple choice. Is it A, Just the Way You Are, B, My Life, C, Tell Her About It, or D, Uptown Girl? I got to think it's Uptown Girl. I You couldn't get away from that song. So I think that's probably one of his most popular songs. Uh, I do not know the actual answer. So I'm going to go with the one that I think is the most popular. Uh, Uptown Girl. It's a solid logical guess, I think. It's wrong, but it's a solid logical guess. The answer was C, tell her about it. That's a better song anyway, so I think. All the others went to number three. All right, three out of five. You totally blew it, dude. Uh, it gets you a D. It would get you a passing grade. You've got your you've got your degree. You're out of there. My school career was riddled with D's. So uh, I, I think that's probably got a lot of D's right in school. Me. Got a like, grip of D's. Oh, wow. Just D's all over you all the D's time. D's smacking me upside the head. So many D's. People were just throwing D's on you, but never in PE. Okay. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Sign them all. Well done, you. You did very. No, I think you did very well. We don't have a clever exit for this segment. Hey, Robert, thank you so much for taking over the guest host business of this episode. Appreciate it very much. I'm not getting out of this chair. You're going to have to get Starfleet Security to get me out of this chair. I'm not Mr. Leaving. Worf, will you I'm please not escort? Uh, oh, what are you supposed to be, lobster head? Get the hell away from me. Thanks so much for hosting this segment, Robert. 
If you would like to try your hand at guest hosting this segment and share your trivia knowledge of the fun things of Generation X, just like Robert did here today, then send the judges an email at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Or, even better, you can go to our website at whowillsavegenx.com and leave us a voicemail. When you go to the site, you'll see a blue microphone icon in the lower right part of your screen. Just tap on that and leave us a message. It's free to use, and your voice might even be used on an upcoming episode of the show. Do you like this third format? Should we make more of them? You can ask us a trivia question, leave us a comment, tell us a joke, or tell me how bad you beat me in this last segment. Speaking of which, we don't have a name for that guest host segment. If you can think of a fun Gen X name to call it, then that would be something cool to leave us on the voicemail. Really, anything you have on your mind about the show, our generation, or or whatever you want to share with us, is fair game on the voicemail. Reach out and just say hi. The last segment of the challenging stage is giving the answers to the power struggle question from past shows. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Airwolf will continue. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, have you thought about giving us a positive review on the website where you found us? We found listeners who have on Apple Podcasts, and JB Clow writes, quote, This might save Gen X. Great format, fun questions, and nostalgia, perfect music and sound are all brought together to create a really good time. This podcast has the power. Thanks, JB. Reviews like this really helps others find the show. So please spread the word about the podcast and your review might end up on an episode just like JB's was. We look forward to reading what you think about the show. Thanks so much. The Power Struggle. Before we leave, we are going to reveal the answers to a past show power struggle. In episode 26, John versus Mike, I'll yav what she's yavin. I love that title. We unveiled our first ever power struggle question, and it sounded like this. Oh, my God. They found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. Get him a body bag! Yeah! You can unlock any door if you only have the key. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. So let's reveal the answers now. Clip one was Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Clip two was Jack Burton from the movie Big Trouble in Little China. Clip three was Tommy from The Karate Kid. Clip four was Mrs. Brisby from The Secret of Nim. I think that was the hardest one in this group. And finally, clip five was... Ned the Head from Groundhog Day. But we will also have accepted Ned the Bull or Needlenose Ned as a correct response. We had only one correct answer for this one and reached out to the winner, but they never sent us their shipping address for the prize package. In any event, congrats to the winner. You're doing your part to save Generation X, whoever you are. You know, it might have been one of our two British listeners since they don't like to talk to us. We'll hold on to your prize until you're ready to contact us back. Well, that's it for this first ever episode of The Challenging Stage. Let us know what you think of it, and if you think we should make more of these in the future or not. 
Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Well, it's available in the foyer. Some of us got to live as well, you know.